G'day and welcome. It's a Tuesday afternoon in Melbourne. Um, not just Melbourne, this is going everywhere. So episode 25 of So What's Been Happening. Bring up a good mate of ours, Cuz. How are you, Cuz? G'day, Az. How are you, mate? Tuesday good, mate. Afternoon. Pretty special. Tuesday special, afternoon. Pretty special bloke we got coming on. Absolutely. Nothing like an early start, mate. We've jumped the, <laughs> jumped the blocks early, a couple of minutes early. I'm sure that won't uh, distract your uh, your thousand viewers, mate, that you're going to get on. So great really? to have uh, this one's been one a little while in the making. I put you, <laughs> I put out to your network to say, uh, you know, who, who we can get on and who you know and all those kind of things. And you not being a name dropper gave me no one for the first 25 shows. So I'm glad you've uh, you've come up with a big gun, though. I'll give you that one. We've been looking forward to this one. Tell us a little bit about this uh, guest, mate, and then we'll bring him on. Look, he's probably one of the most genuine people you'd meet, mate. Like you look at him, you think he comes across as pretty laid down, um, laid back, and that's how he is. He's just a very honest and genuine bloke, and I've been lucky enough to know him for probably the best part of oh, thirty-five years. So, look, he's yeah, lovely, lovely, lovely bloke, and he's always, always, always has time for everybody, uh, from the man at the top of the tree to the man planting the seeds. He's always very down to earth and very genuine, and a good bloke. I'm very proud to call him mate. Right, mate. Who are we talking about? Talking about the great Jason Richardson, mate. G'day, Richo. Welcome to board, mate. It's brilliant to be aboard. I didn't even recognise who we were talking about then, Cuz. I was thinking, <laughs> who is this bloke? This is quite a re remarkable introduction, uh, Aaron. Believe it or not, I've been I've known Cuz and been mates with Cuz since we played footy together, and I'm going to say under thirteens, which. And you'd look at him and you look at me and you probably think they can't be the same age because I am breathtakingly good-looking and he uh, <laughs> looks about 30 years older than me. But um, Exactly. We played footy together from about under-13s onwards. Uh, we were lucky enough to play under-19 footy together. We won a premiership for D Larcel and the uh, A-grade amateurs and we were undefeated that year. We had a great bond of a whole lot of fantastic, like-minded people who all went to school together and... Uh, so uh, it's brilliant to catch up with you, Cuzzy boy, and uh, and also no, I think you guys are you guys are doing great stuff with this stuff. So the question I'm going to ask you is, uh, why did it take 25 episodes, and what's been bloody happening in your lives? <laughs> <laughs> well, mate, well, I was as said, who do you know? And I said, mate, I know nobody. But then the great the great name came up, and he goes, "Well, oh, how do you know him?" And I said, "Oh, mate, I've known him for years." <laughs> <laughs> Mate, the only reason we started doing this was when the initial COVID happened and it was just to get blokes initially, a bit late as well, just to get on and talk and experience sort of stuff, what they're going through. And then we've had a lot of we've had a lot of local artists on, musicians on come on, um, and it's been fantastic. Like it's it's amazing how connected and how like minded we are in our situations. But until you have this sort of forum and talk about it, you don't realise. So yeah, it's been really good. And how is everyone coping? I know, because uh, you've had your, your, your tough times, and I know uh, there's a lot of guys out there that are having tough times. It's great that we're, we're talking about that. Um, you know, I consider myself really lucky in that space, but how's everyone going? Uh, I know it's, you know, this little bloody lockdown 530 that Daniel's uh, whacked us back in, I know it's tested a lot of people because, you know, we had my youngest daughter's, 14 and she sent me a text when she heard the news and just you know dad I, I just I, I just don't want to go back into lockdown and she was in tears so it's tough for the kids but it's also really tough for the parents yeah, yeah it sure is yeah and, and I think as you know mate our wheelhouse our age we're all similar in age 
we don't want to talk about it. We'll, mm. we'll, we'll put on that facade, especially as blokes, that, oh, yeah, it's okay. But what we've found from this and the friendships that I've garnished through this, meeting some musos and that, we all actually do want to talk about it. Like once you hear someone else speak about it and you think, oh, shit, I can relate to that. Oh, yeah, my wife and I are having that same situation at home or whatever. And you find kindred spirits who you wouldn't have thought mm. were kindred spirits. And that's and that's what it's been looking like as is a, a, a great mate, and it's, it was his idea, and I sort of just jumped on board, and it's it's been fantastic. And some of the people we've had on, it's been so rewarding. Like we had um, Matt Cronin came on, Pat Pat Cronin's dad, the one punch. Yep, yep. And to listen to him speak was, and that's why we do it. Like, and he he's, yeah. he's thanking us for the opportunity to come on and speak. It like makes it makes you feel pretty good about what you're doing. So, and that's why we do it. Keep up the good work, boys. Yeah. What are we going to talk about? <laughs> Appreciate we that, Richo. Well, let's, uh, let's go back to a little bit of that sporting prowess. And obviously, as a youngster, um, was athletics in the veins or how did that all come about? And I know, obviously, you did, we just touched on that you played a bit of footy, but what else did you play as a kid? Uh, mate, I played pretty much everything, as all kids did back in, you know, the era that we grew up. We were so lucky to grow up in an era where kids played backyard cricket when you came home from school and you played footy in the street when you came home from school or, you know, nowadays I just see so many kids in front of uh, devices and the like uh, in front of screens and it's just a totally different world. That's not a criticism of them. It's just a changing world. So for me, I've had one older sister and a, and a younger brother. Um, I was just a sports fanatic, like obsessed by it as a young kid. Sunday was a special day because World of Sport was on. So my aspirations in my entire life is I wanted to be a professional athlete in any sport that I was uh, good enough to be and if I couldn't be a professional athlete I would wanted to be a commentator talking about professional sport um, initially as a young guy when I was um, basically before I went to De La Salle where cousin I went to school so before I went to high school I was a you know junior did little athletics did footy did cricket but that was back in the day when sport you had a summer sport, which mine was athletics more than cricket, um, and then you had a winter sport, and that was footy. Footy was my number one passion. Absolutely loved my footy, obsessed by footy. You know, could tell as a kid, could tell every team's numbers all the way through, could list every player of every club, just, you know, studied it, fanatical about it, obsessed by it, loved cricket, loved watching cricket, didn't play as much because I was doing athletics and I was – pretty good at it as a, as a junior and then went to high school and high school um, I was, you know, pretty good as a junior athlete, year seven, year eight, year nine. And then unfortunately I had a challenge that Cuz would probably, he probably knew about it. I was a year older than him at school. So he probably knew about it, but probably didn't process it because we're all so young. Believe it or not, in year 12, I was four foot 11 and 41 kilos, and I was prepubescent. So I had my whole year 12 year as that skinny, tiny little kid to the point where I was holding a sign at school. Um, and, you know, when you're playing footy and you're prepubescent in an era that we grew up, where everyone would come off the field and go and jump in the showers, that wasn't a good time for me. So I had ice packs or any reason not to get in the showers because I was so embarrassed about how small and immature I was. Um, so therefore, you know, I went basically fell fell by the wayside in footy. I had a really 
tough years in year 11 and 12 because I was so small. Athletics, I stopped doing ass as I was really battling because I was so small and everyone was big, hair under their arms, hairy legs, growing beards, and I was really, really small. So that was a bit tough. So it wasn't actually until after school that um, I was actually really able to, when I started to grow, and the year after, year 12, believe it or not, I grew a foot and put on 40 kilos that I actually uh, started to feel a bit better about getting back into sport. And then that's that's awesome. And then what happened from there in relation to athletics? When did you really get into your into your aths? So I was so I was sort of competing at state champs, etc., as a junior. And then I had that period when I was really small where I gave it away and didn't do anything. Believe it or not, I tried out in year twelve for our De La Salle four by one relay team, and I didn't make the team because I was so minute. Um, and after. Yeah, I can remember. I think Chris Burke was in the team, Andrew Saunders, John Ford, and um, Italian kid Nick Maniatis. I reckon they were yep. the they were the four by one. And then the following year, I I grew. I wanted to play footy. My true love was footy. Um, and I had two years of under-19s and in the second year of under-19s at DLA, that was the year that I was reflecting on that we were unbeaten and won the premiership, which is still great memories. Um, yep. It's only it's only amateur footy, but at the time, it, yeah, it was huge for us. Um, and actually during that time, I was coached by a guy called Brian Brown and Brian Brown's a fantastic human, as Cuz would tell you all about. Yeah, he, his brother was a guy by the name Good of Chris one. Brown who's fantastic, and he ran third in the 1976 store gift. Anyway, um, he used to come down and watch us play in the 19s, and uh, I, was, um, I was pretty quick. And he kept saying, mate, you should take up ats again. You should do ats. And I reckon it wasn't until a couple of years after under-19s that I was playing amateur footy, and I realised that I wasn't going to be an AFL footballer. Like, duh, it took me a little longer to realise in my mind than everyone else realised. <laughs> And I was destined to be good at something. And he said to me, mate, I think you should be doing athletics. You've, you've got to come back and do some uh, tracks. So he kept talking to me about it. So I started to go down and do some sessions um, when I finished the footy season that year um, and picked up where I left off. So I hadn't basically done athletics for about five years, I think, properly, and got straight back into it. Suddenly I'd grown, I was strong um, and trained hard like I was – and I look back at my ATS career, you know, I was, I was big on training. I was small on ability, but big on training. So, um, and it pretty much clicked um, Aaron straight away after that. You know, I just suddenly had to give, you know, footy, move footy aside because I was, um, you know, I started to concentrate on ATS and started to get, uh, go up through the ranks pretty quick. Let's, let's fast forward. Sorry, Sorry Gary. Go, man. He trained my old man. So dad was dad in his day. If you look at Peter Cohen, you wouldn't think he was a runner. He was actually a pretty good runner back on the day, and he trained dad. And remember Frank Dimitino, who played Richmond yeah. North. Yeah, yeah. He trained yeah. them, and they were both pretty good runners. So yeah, so it's in their in the Browns' body blood, I think, the running. Oh, it certainly was. I mean, Frank, yeah. um, Chris's dad, won a Bendigo gift, and he was the, actually the he was the journalist, um, and for the Herald Sun. So. Uh, my first year of going up to the store gift, there was a 100-metre race for those people who hadn't won any other races before. It's called the, the Bill Howard Handicap. It's named after a dual store gift winner. 
And uh, I went up there in my very first year of stall and was bloody lucky enough, in brackets, good enough, lucky enough uh, to win. And that then said to me, Chris, and that was only really after about eight weeks training, Chris said, mate, you've got to give up what you're doing for footy. You're going to get injured. And let's be honest, you're not going to make it as a footballer. Um, you, you, but you can you can seriously do something in athletics. So that's when I started really concentrating, zero in on it. What year was that, the Bill Howard? That was 92. So, okay. um, yeah. The year before so, the big one. So that was before, that was your first your first run at stall in ninety two. Yeah, ninety two. So fantastic. Won the Bill Howard, and then Chris Brown, which is you know, he's such an important part of uh, my athletic story, and a great fellow, and still a passionate DLR boy. Um, his son Andrew was diagnosed with leukemia at about the age of six, and I remember, you know, straight after I'd won the Bill Howard at stall, he came up to me and we um, he said, "Oh, mate." I can't coach anymore because this is what's happening to Andrew. Andrew's got leukemia. Uh, one of the other boys, Michael, I think has to do, you know, bone marrow transport, it transfer. I mean, the whole family was just in disarray. You can think about that now. I mean, we, you know, we're, we're lucky parents. Um, touch wood that kids have been healthy. You know, imagine how much that rocks your world. So um, I sat down with him and he said, mate, you've got to keep doing your ass. So, so, this is the guy that I think you should go to, a guy by the name of Graham Goldsworthy. He trained guys who had placed in the previous store gift finals. And um, I just had a really single-minded focus that um, I wanted to win the store gift. Um, I thought it would take me a couple of years to get to that level, but believe it or not, you know, I trained my butt off and um, they gave me the novice handicap. And in 1993, uh, Aaron, what are we saying? Yeah, 57, 57 steps to redeem a nation. <laughs> Righto. We've got a bit of footage from the great yeah. moment. Yeah, gift for 1993. The hard health school gift is being introduced to the crowd here, making their way down towards the start. Very quickly, the field. The red Dean Capabianco from scratch. Josh Kuhl, five and a quarter. Craig Ferber, seven metres. Jason Richardson, seven and a half. He's the favourite. Tony Mart, eight and three quarters. And uh, Malcolm McDowell off nine and a half. A big round of applause for Dean Capabianco. With man in the yellow, the raging gift favourite, Michael, Jason Richardson. Well, there's an air of confidence about this fellow. I like the way that he sort of strutted down there. He sort of believes he can win. He won the Bill Howard here at Stall last year, so nerves aren't going to upset this. But it's going to be a race in three. Really looks to be the pink. Out of the pink and the yellow. And watch out for that red. Stormman home. We well, saw attention. the interview with McDowell. He was very, very keen. He said, they've got to beat me, he said. But we'll soon know. They're set, ready to go for the 1993 Hard Health Stool Gift. They settle down now. Bianco sitting up a little bit in the blocks. And Chapman has them. This is the big one. The one we've come for. Set! And away they go. Papa Bianco away well. Still quickly in the stride with Ferber. Richardson then coming Martin McDool. He's a great go. The yellow's in front. It's Richardson hoeing the way. Coming at him again. McDowell. Richardson in front. Richardson beat McDowell. And third aim then would have been Josh Cool. Uh, and the Dean Capabianco who couldn't do it from Tony Martin. Well, Jason oh. Richardson has won the store gift in emphatic fashion. A great training effort by Graham Goldsworthy. That's his first store gift winner. You know, Jason's overcome stress fractures in his feet. The 1993 store Easter gift. He's run a sensational 11.94. And you can see uh, Jason's in there somewhere. What a moment. What a moment. Jason's in there somewhere. I love that. <laughs> Can we talk about the hair, mate? Yeah. 
Well, it, <laughs> mate, I ran that fast, it blew off. Clearly, <laughs> and I'm glad you. Uh, I'm glad you took up the hat memo, mate, because uh, there's not much yeah. spread out there too. So yeah, I, I is the got, only one that's got us covered. I got the memo, um, mate. Great memories there, and yeah, Chris Brown, we've just spoken about, was in that uh, huddle. Dean Capabianco, who was in red, is a great mate of mine, who'd won the gift in 1990 and ran fifth in a world championship 200 meter final. Believe it or not, about four months after that gift final. Um, he was in it, so that made it even more special. And um, I was lucky enough to come back the following year and win the uh, the backmarkers race for the you know for the guys right at the back, um, which is a great thrill. So um, there's only been a couple of people been able to win all three of those things at store, which I'm proud of. So that that was awesome, and actually it inspired me to give up work um, to put everything on hold, and you know I just had. I thought, you know what, the one thing I want to do when I'm 40, 50, 60 is not say what if. So I gave up everything, sold basically everything uh, I had, gave up work to be a full-time athlete and um, for the next five years sort of travelled the world, competed against Michael Johnson, Ben Johnson, Linford Christie, um, the likes and worked out that I wasn't good enough. But by gee, I had a lot of fun uh, trying to be good enough. So um, that, that's my message for kids out there. You know what? Just have have a go. And my motto has always been: bite off more than you can chew, and just chew like hell. Um, because uh, I found out that I was not good enough. I wasn't talented enough to mix it at you know Olympic level with you know Carl Lewis, Ben Johnson, Linford Christie. But tell you what, it was just bloody great having a crack at it and working out how far off the absolute best you were and um, so I, I can sit back and look at a pretty average athletics career with no regrets at all. Oh, it's absolutely great did, advice. And it's interesting to hear that, you know, you talked about the training and you, and you didn't think you had the skill set necessarily, but training and you gave everything that. And that's that's such great advice for, for any youngsters out there in the littles, um, out there having a crack. And, and just on that, um, so good to see that, uh, you know, you there really pushing to keep this event. Um, I know... Uh, through my work commitments, making uniforms for little athlete, athletes um, for so many years, to see them up there running at stall um, yeah. is such an important part of stall. And just tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, how stall's progressed now. I mean, what, look at the event that it's turned into. Yeah, I mean, it's remarkable, 150-plus years. Um, yeah, look, the state government uh, supporting the stall gift and ha- have for a five-year period, but part of the conditions of that um, support, because they realise it's an, it's an iconic race, it's so important for that part of um, Victoria to try to get so many. I mean, the, the town sold out each and every um, store gift. It's vital for the community there. Um, and it's such a special place and it's such a special race. I mean, it's live television coverage on Channel 7, which I'm lucky enough to be uh, part of the coverage there, um, before Hawthorne versus Geelong every Easter Monday with a million viewers watching. So from an athletics point of view, it's it's vital from a – local tourism and local community it's important and also the message of uh, you know health and well-being for all these athletes great athletes that you're showing at the moment so the government said listen we will commit to a five-year support of this gift but we want you to change your structure and your structure needs to change we want to put a board above the stall athletic club just to help provide some expertise in particular areas um Martin Bakula, the Minister for Sport, uh, rang me and said, can you go onto the board? Um, 
And I said, yeah, I'd love to help out any way I can. So with a bit of broadcast broadcast expertise and my old job as a in in the marketing space so really enjoyed it and it's great that we can um we've announced we've got a five-year major sponsor um, plus a five-year television deal so the gift is going to live on hopefully for another 150 years but we're, we're getting it back onto track on track to make sure the best athletes go along it keeps staying on telly and we keep sending the messages out there for you know good active lifestyle for our community Fantastic. And 3rd to 5th of April. Uh, if you haven't been up there, it's an amazing couple of days. It's absolutely super. Great fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. And boy, see some talent. Yeah, it is. It's brilliant, mate. It's, um, and that little athletics actually is really important part of it, trying to get the next generation. And, you know, what Athletics Australia has done at the moment with the blend, you know, the the merging of Athletics Australia and Little Athletics Australia. So now the, the new body being Australian athletics is so important uh, for the future of this sport because I tell you what, the future, you know, this sport, I mean, if you want to go to the Olympic Games, that is a huge carrot for young athletes. But what we're finding for both men and women, uh, especially women in recent times, but men in particular, is trying to attract that A-class athlete to choose athletics. Mm. And at the moment, all the private schools in Melbourne and all the high schools in Victoria, kids, the number one athletes tending to pick footy. Um, and we've got to get to a position in athletics where we can show a clear pathway that, hey, if you want to choose athletics, this is a pathway where you can represent your country. You can go to the Olympic Games. You can compete on the. You can compete in the biggest sporting event every four years. Yes. It's hard to say no to a lot of money you can in AFL footy, but that's is pretty unique. The Olympic Games is pretty unique. It's a, it's a big dream. So hopefully our sport can get together and really work hard on that. Yeah, also yeah. one thing, I mean, running. Running's, you know, there's no doubt in you. It makes your footy better and it makes yeah. your all sports better. If you do athletics in summer and then go and play yeah. footy in winter, yeah, you, you know, we've had many players come through the AFL now that have, gone through littles and then into into the uh, the athletics um, seniors from there. So um, there's no doubt if uh, if you can do that, it'll definitely help. So just get yeah. that pathway and the connection. But um, yeah, is that the issue, mate? That there isn't a structured pathway per se. Is that it gets a bit clouded once you get past the sort of high school level? Well, I think the the, the pathway cause is. It's hard. It's hard work. I mean, athletics yeah. is hard, and also it's essentially on your own. So the enjoyment factor yeah. that you play when you go to your local footy club or you're playing AFL footy and you're surrounded by forty blokes or forty women, if you're playing AFLW, this is you know if you get a training squad, that's great. But so much of what you have to do, and that is your diet, um, your your yeah. You know, physical support of yourself through medical but also through preparation um, and that is preparation pre and post your training plus the hours required to train there's a lot of times when you're on your own for me as a really social person I found that hard Um, so I always surrounded myself with people um, but nothing replicates a team effort so you know you saw the vision of me winning the store gift and all my mates jumping around they got a lot of satisfaction on it but at the end of the day it was me um as much as i tried to share it with them so whereas in a footy premiership it's us so that's hard for people you know it's hard for a 17 year old 
boy who's going to Marcelin College with uh, Glenn Curran's kids and says, I am pretty good at footy, I'm pretty good at outs, I'm good at cricket, uh, but I get to go and play footy with my mates and I can earn $80,000 AFL in my first year up to a million dollars or I can choose athletics for 10 years, I'm going to be on the dole, but I might get a chance to go to the Olympics if I'm good enough. That's a hard dream to sell. Yeah, sure. Like that, that's it's, as much as that's making it like chalk and cheese. It is a lot of chalk and cheese, though, isn't it? It's, mm. it's poles apart when you look at the the two, I suppose, choices. Yeah, well, I mean, I can remember being you know, like in an extended, you know, a training group leading into one of the Olympic Games, and my wife um, went to two Olympic Games, and she won a Commonwealth gold medal in the five thousand meters in '98. So she was she was a jet, but you know. Nice Just lost your audio there for a sec, Jace. I think we're back. Yeah, I, don't, I got a I got a phone call, which is disappointing. Right. All good. Um, <laughs> uh, and I tell you what, and this is you know this is a real concern for athletics. The majority of the Australian athletics team going towards the Olympic Games were putting in their dole forms before jumping on a plane. That's that's a tough scenario, but that's just the reality of doing a sport that is not a mainstream sport with millions of dollars of television revenue and also sponsorship revenue. It's just a harsh reality of the sport that I chose um, to do and others choose to do. So that's, look, it's a huge challenge for athletics, but, um, you know, it's a great sport. You know, it's a foundation, it's a great foundation sport, but taking Aaron's point, it's a great foundation sport for other sports. So hopefully we get lots of kids involved. Yeah, definitely. And let's switch to one of your other big loves, the media now. Yeah. Um, and obviously the radio was one of your big loves at one stage um, with yeah. a, with one of our good mates, Half. Um, I yeah. know you had a great time on SEN and met so many great people. Um, I, I always loved the, the Friday afternoon chats with you, yeah. Rita, and Half. I mean, they, they were just all-time great fun, um, and I'm sure they were great times for you. Are you in the radio at all now? No, I'm not. It breaks my heart that I'm not. I don't know why I'm not. Um, I'm available if selected, um, but for some reason, I don't know. The um, all the all the chairs moved around, and uh, <laughs> the musical chairs. Next thing you know, I looked around. Oh, um, there was no chair available for me. I think there, I had a bit of conflict with you know. I've got a contract with Channel Seven, and I've got a contract with uh, Racing.com. Um, so there was a challenge trying to blend it all in at the moment. I haven't been able to blend radio back in. I'm desperate to do it because it's a medium that I absolutely love and I had incredible fun doing it. Um, And the, and you know, it's my advice to any young broadcaster out there that wants to get into the media. And I'm telling everyone who I work with in television at the moment is young and passionate about it. Get into radio. It teaches you, it teaches you so many lessons in regards to, you know, um, turn a phrase, but also in regards to holding an audience for a length of time. Um, mm. I think the craft that you can learn through radio is, you know, exceptional. So, um, no, I really miss my time uh, in radio and hopefully it'll come back soon. Yeah, and you've just come off a, a great big bash um, yeah. introduction for yourself. Uh, how's that been? I loved it. I mean, I, I love the opportunities that I've been given at Seven. You know, Seven um, have supported me so much, whether it be, you know, hosting um, coverage of uh, the Big Bash, which was 
just brilliant. And I've done that for the last three seasons. Women's Big Bash um, is awesome. You know, I've been lucky enough to host our coverage of uh, the World Championship Swimming. Lucky enough to, uh, you know, be involved hosting coverages of uh, Olympic Games and Winter Olympics. So I love sport, mate. I love every aspect of it. There's so many things. I mean, the Winter Olympics was just about the best thing I ever did. I, I just thought it was incredible. Um, I've grown up with a staple of summer summer Olympics, but the Winter Olympics was incredible, the atmosphere of the athletes and the their attitudes. Um, so... Mate, I've just been so lucky and so blessed and I remember where I come from. Don't worry, and I, I, I make sure I keep working hard. Yeah, really important points and great advice too. And how special are these moments to be, you know, up close and one-on-one with, with such icons of our game, you know, and being a, not only being able to have a chat to them on air, but obviously you get the opportunity then off air to, to, to have a little bit of a chat, I'm sure, and yeah. create some great friendships. It's it's interesting, you know. I'd love to have um, said to the twelve-year-old me, "This is what I was going to be doing," and I think the twelve-year-old me would be so excited, you know, catching up with David Warner or uh, you, know, you just showed a picture of a Tim Payne, a fantastic guy. Um, you know, our Winter Olympians when they win a win a medal, etc. But for me now, at my age, I mean, I I must admit I don't. I'm not a starstruck sort of guy. I don't have a single – I don't think I've ever asked an athlete for a selfie. Who would I ask? I might ask Roger Federer for a selfie. He might be a, a guy that I would ask. Maybe – would I ask Tiger Woods? Probably wouldn't. Might ask Muhammad Ali if he was still with us. But um, the rest of the time, it's just sort of work, and I've got to know some of, you know, some of our really great athletes. So I just, you know – like to think of them as uh, as friends more than anything, and it's you know if they treat me with respect, and um, I always just you know one of my other mottos is just treat people the way they treat you. So it's fantastic to be up close and personal with some of the athletes that are changing the game at the moment, whatever sport, and they've all got um, pretty similar attributes, and that is an obsession with excellence, and I think we can learn a lot from that. Yeah, definitely. And then into racing now as well. Um, you, you can tell your genuine love for, for racing and, and not only that, but the colour and everything that goes with yeah. racing. You're a great part of that coverage. Yeah, mate, I love it. And also I love, you know, I love to try to walk in their shoes and, th- I, you know, think of the excitement. We saw it last week when Jamie Carr won, a, you know, won the Lightning Stakes with Nature Strip and it was her fourth career group one. And here's a girl who Grew up in South Australia. Her parents were, believe it or not, her father was a winter Olympian in um, in short track speed skating. And there she is now, an unbelievable jockey. She's leading the premiership by 23 wins. She wins a group one, her fourth group one. She's the second most successful female jockey in history and she's only in her early 20s. Um, I love to try to get into her space. I'm excited for her. Um, hopefully yeah. that comes through when I'm interviewing her. But um, sure. I'm excited yep. for them because, oh, you know, I, they're living the dream. That, that, I'd give up everything I've ever achieved in sport to to go through it again, to try to do it again because when you're actually in there doing it, that's that's the great stuff. Yeah. And do you think, you know, looking back on, on say, even the Stall Cup, Stall Gift for you, do you realise in that particular moment how big a moment that really is or do you not realise that till after your career and those kind of things? I think you appreciate it more as you get older. I think you yep. work out, 
uh, the context of it. I think at the time you love every moment of it because it's exciting, but the most insecure people in the world are athletes in any sport because you're always trying to do, achieve something else. So, you know, I won the store gift and, you know, I watched some of the interviews I just cringe because the first thing I'm talking about is I want to go to, you know, I want to go to the Olympics and I want to come back and win another store gift. And, you know, it's like you're never satisfied. Mm. It's same as, you know, the Australia, best Australian 100-metre runner wants to run in the Commonwealth Games and then if he wins the Commonwealth Games, he wants to win the World Champs. And if he wins the World Champs, he wants to win the Olympics. You're never satisfied. And even then you get to the Usain Bolt sort of era and they want to be the greatest ever. So yeah. I think that's just... That's a part of any athlete at any level that you'll find that, um, well, from the elite level up in particular, I think that they're all just striving to be to be better and better. They're never satisfied. I think yeah. we can learn a lot from that. And speaking of being better, there's there's not many better, is there, than the great Bruce? He's the best, mate. He's simple. You know, I learn so much from him every single day. I work with him. Um, preparation is incredible he handwrites so we'll work together on a race meeting and i'll look across at his notes and he'll have his book there and uh, i did a segment once we had to go we were we were working together during the championships up in sydney and usain bolt was here no it was actually it was oaks day and usain bolt was on course so then bruce was going to do a one-on-one with usain bolt so they said oh well bruce will tap out and you host for half an hour until bruce comes back so I was just hosting our coverage, but Bruce left his book there, this big, thick book, and I'm there saying on air, have a look at this. Like everything was handwritten on every possible thing you could think of, every scenario that could happen on that race day, the horse's name, the jockey, the significance of that jockey won, the significance of the trainer won, the significance from the breeding point of view of that horse, the dam side, the farm that had bred it, how many group ones that horse had won, how much prize money, where he sat in the overall Australian prize money list, what about the jockey, everything. And he does that for day after day after day, for sport after sport. So what you see as the end product is no coincidence, mate. It's bloody hard work. And to boot, he's an incredible human. Yeah, I remember, I remember meeting Bruce at the tennis once. I used to work at the tennis and, and seeing backstage in the media era, and this is early 90s, and, you know, it was almost facts, but facts back in the day. And, and yeah. Bruce would just have this little, just just the constant paper moving, and he was he was keen on reading every one and getting it all organised. He was absolutely ready to go. So you couldn't find a better uh, apprentice, apprenticeship to, to work with. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it must be uh, it must be great. But what's your favourite kind of sport to commentate really at the moment, or, or you kind of oh. happy, happy with anything because you're just a sports sports lover? Yeah, I mean, I'd love to do footy. I've never done footy, but I you know I just haven't been able to blend it in. I'd love to get involved. I've been lucky enough to host game day a couple of times um, on seven, so um, that is a uh, something on the on the bucket list, mate. I'd love to do I'd love to do a game show. Believe it or not, I'd like to. <laughs> You just see it, Kaz. Oh, come mate. on, come like, on down. Like you would be, you would be all over that, like white on oh, rice, mate. Oh, I'd love to do that. From a sport, <laughs> mate, I literally love it all. There's no sport that I've covered that I don't like. You know, I, I was thrown into host our Australian Golf Open coverage two years ago, and I love my golf. So there's really, 
nothing that I could be thrown into that I wouldn't get a lot of enjoyment out of. Yeah, I think uh, you would have been good on that Holy Moly show, mate. How did I miss? You know exactly the fact, your... that Sher- the fact that fact that Shervo went to man, surely they haven't. I mean, Shervo's faster. He was faster than me. That's they a could have ran you with Shervo, surely. Yeah, Shervo. I don't know. He he, he ran ten point He was a freak. He made a Commonwealth game final in the hundred meters and ran fourth. He was better than me, mate. He was a superstar. He was very good. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so the next challenge is for you, is the Olympics. Um, yeah, come- I mean we. We, we keep hearing that the Olympics is going to go ahead. So, um, you know, fingers crossed that it can go ahead and, you know, I'll be supposedly one of the guys on the ground getting the great pleasure of interviewing all the athletes. So that would be huge if I could. Am I keeping you up, Kaz? Did you just yawn, mate? Am I, am no, I boring I you at all? Not at all, You want me to go back? Okay. I understand well, what's going on. Here. I'll apologise for him. Guys. No, 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 Aaron. What's what's going on here is that's his that that's his signal to say stop talking about yourself. Let's go back to the under 19s <laughs> our grand final, because uh, you know old Zaverians had this dangerous forward uh-huh. called George Gorazidis, and um, we were thinking who amongst our lineup was extremely untalented. So that if he didn't get a kick, it wouldn't really affect the rest of the team. But he would pinch exactly. and scratch and gouge and annoy the hell out of this bloke that this bloke wouldn't, wouldn't get a kick for the day. So it was unanimous it was Cuz. And uh, he held him to – did he get a kick at all, Cuz? He, he, kicked, he kicked one goal and oh. it was possibly the best goal I've ever, I've ever seen. In- <laughs> <laughs> well, I, might have, I might have over-promoted you. <laughs> He kicked the goal from he was we're both running towards the boundary line. The ball bounced as the ball bounced, he kicked it from midair over his shoulder. And he said, Should I look, cousin? I said, No, don't look, George, it'll go in anyway. (laughs) (laughs) So, So back on the Olympics for two secs, mate. Um, is there one of those weird kind of sports out there that's that's uh, you've been potentially going to be thrown in the ring to? To have a to go out and follow. Um, what what's new in the Olympics this year? There's a couple of sports there. Yeah, no, there, there's a couple of sports that are a disgrace that they're in the Olympic Games. I mean, let's not sugarcoat it. Come yeah. on, man. There's and some no boxing. Is that right? Well, you know what? Oh, Next boxing. Summer? It needs to be the pinnacle of the sport to be in it, in my opinion. Mm. But it's so, always been one of those sports. The amateur boxers, that's where they were. It was the boxing box. You know, that was one of those things. Boxing, weightlifting, they were all the ones that everyone looked forward to. Big Darrell Eastlake was there. And yeah. it's all happening, you know. That's right. Well, the, I mean, um, boxing, you think of, you know, Teofilo Stevenson, who won uh, three Olympic gold medals in a row as a heavyweight boxer from Cuba that um, Fidel Castro wouldn't let him turn pro. And... Mm. You know, good boxing judges say that he would have been the challenger to Muhammad Ali, but he was stuck in the amateurs because uh, Castro said, you've got to fight for the glory of Cuba. Um, you know, Muhammad Ali got his start in in boxing through the Olympic Games. So, yeah, it has a role to play. You know, when we, when I hear that we're doing break dancings, getting involved in the Olympic Games, you know, when I hear that, you know, rock, rock climbing and things like that, I mean, come on, man. Yeah. Come on, let's keep it real. I mean, it has got to be – I understand what they're trying to do. They're trying to attract 
the next generation of sports fans. But come on, there's got to be a level where you say, listen, you just go on. That's what the X Games is for. You go and do that. But the Olympic Olympic movement, I think, has just simply got to be better than it. But if I'm thrown, Aaron, I can assure you, if I'm thrown the uh, breakdancing to colour, my... My rhythm section, I can assure you, was outstanding. And I used to cut a major rug what? back at Silver's back in the day. So I will be out there and I will dominate. <laughs> you, might put the, you might put the jersey on for Australia there. That would be That's, huge. Can you, maybe that. They can mic me up and I can commentate plus also do some moves. Absolutely. You'd have to um, get yourself in there with a bit of beatboxing for sure. <laughs> and, uh, how did you get into the into the horse racing? Because I know you obviously like it, being a, being a Catholic and a Dela boy, it sort of goes hand in hand. That you that would be some sort of affinity there. But did you did you fall into that a bit? Or was no, this, well, I had the double whammy. There? Yeah, no, I had the double whammy because whereas you as a you know all the you know the Catholics and the Dela boys, and there were so many of them um, here that love their racing. I had the double whammy that my grandmother. Her brother was the leading uh, trainer down in Tassie. Her other yep. brother owned a runner, um, Sunny Lane, which ran in the Melbourne Cup, uh, the Melbourne yep. Cup that Might and Power won. Yep. So I was surrounded by, in fact, I had five or six different cousins who uh, are jockeys or have been jockeys. So that's actually going back to the original story when I was, um, when I was, you know, in year 11 and year 12 and I'm 41 kilos and four foot 11, I was seriously thinking that, you know, maybe a career in racing as a jockey would be where I'd go until um, the genetics uh, took a turn. So um, I was always surrounded by racing um, and therefore I knew the vernacular. So when I got asked to be involved through mate of mine, Dr. Turf, for um, back in the old TVN days to do racing, he knew that I knew racing. So it was a, I was a TV guy going into racing as opposed to a racing guy trying to learn TV. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you, you've got to – a lot of people give don't give the industry credit, but it survived amazingly well through COVID, didn't it? Incredible. And what they did is um, I think they've got the great strength that they'd been through EI, equine influenza, where they learnt to break down and separate participants and go through the biosecurity measures. So they snapped straight into that. Um, they've got a lot to be proud of. They did an exceptional job keeping racing. They only missed one day of racing in the whole time during COVID. Yep. We're just getting crowds back before the latest lockdown. Um, but to give you an insight, like because I was interviewing jockeys during the spring carnival, I was doing a COVID test every single day before I went on course. Yep. So I can assure you my nostrils are very clean, my friend. So they they are... They were willing to do anything to make sure that they stopped COVID getting into the racing game, and uh, they've done a great job making sure that it uh, stay that uh, has kept that way. Touch wood. Yeah, I think we could learn a lot from from that advice. That's for sure. Um, <sighs> see, to see the latest round of people moving from hotel after this water leak um, with garbage bags over their heads. It's fair to say we haven't got this sorted yet. Um, We've got a lot of learning in this space. But anyway, well, that's that's a chat for another day, Jace. That's right. That's exactly right. Anyone that wants to find Jace, um, Twitter, Jace Richo, and Insta, Jace Richardson 7 is what you're looking for. Anyone that doesn't know Jace, but I'm sure 
plenty of viewers and listeners uh, will. And Jace, I really appreciate your time, mate. I know this has been a little while in the making, and we'd love to have you another chat on um, maybe when you come back from Winter Olympics would be awesome. Why don't we do it? Why don't we do this? Why don't we do one live from uh, Beijing during the Winter Olympics uh, February next year? Let's lock it in and uh, we can do one when I'm up in the top of the mountain and we can give our audience the So What's Been Happening audience the uh, live experience of being uh, in a half pipe or something like that. Let's do that. Sounds amazing. Well, you, maybe, uh, maybe it's you on that dance floor with the yeah. beatbox on your arm and you're ready to go. Thanks for your time, boys. Fantastic you, to have a chat. Before you go, Matt, we have of all the guests we have on, I ask them one question. So you've got you're having a dinner, and you can invite five friends. Who are your five friends? Uh, do I have so they are friends as opposed oh, to no, people look, I'd look, love to have dinner with? Because I'd, I'd, I'd have a pretty good idea who the five blokes you'd invite because I know you're best mates. Pretty yeah, well. yeah. <laughs> well, um, my best my best mates at school are still my best mates in the world. So, uh, and that's five, that's five something I cherish. From any any part of life that you would like to meet, and I can be living or dead. It's just five people who you'd like to spend a dinner, spend time. Well, um, Muhammad Ali was the most dynamic sportsman we ever saw. The fact that he could transcend sport. Um, if if he wasn't crippled with the illness, and I'm not a boxing fan, if he wasn't crippled with the illness, he, he potentially could have been president of the United States. I mean, such was his moral compass and such was his ability to hold an audience. Uh, so he'd be at the top of the list and Barack Obama would be sitting right alongside him. Anyone who's got Netflix at the moment, jump on. Um, Dave Letterman does a series um, that uh, I'd love to copy in racing. Uh, my next guest needs no introduction. Sit down and watch his interview with Barack Obama, mate. What an exceptional man he is. So I'd love them there. Um, I'd love to, I mean, you feel like Bruce needs to be at every dinner party because he'd be that excited. He could commentate and he'd be asking that many questions, but therefore he might take a bit of the, Bit of the shine off, bit of bit of the gloss off me, but I'd probably I'd probably cop that. That's probably fair enough. Um, so that so you want someone from sport? You'd love to have someone from music, but I haven't really been a music guy. I've put a politician in there. Um, it might be Neon Dion Sanders, who was the uh, the most dominant American sportsman. That one day he was able to play NFL football, jump on a plane fly across the country and play a major league baseball game and then jump back on the plane and fly back and play again in the other sport. What he was able to do there is incredible. Imagine balancing being an AFL player and, say, a test cricketer. He, he was able to do it for a fleeting period there uh, back, in, back in the 90s. So he'd be incredible to sit down and have a chat to Frankie Dettori is a jockey that, uh, that I'm obsessed with. And I think he's brilliant. So he would hold court. Um, oh, I've run out of guests, haven't I? Cause I'd go on forever like this. I just, I could just keep naming people. <laughs> mate, the best thing about this, mate, the tradition continues. We're up to episode 25 of all the people we've had on both male and female. Not one has said their partner yet. Well, I get to have dinner every night with the Commonwealth gold medalists, so I want to be in a room not surrounded by the Commonwealth gold medalists. Do, do you dress as the Commonwealth gold medalist? Yes. 
Madame is how she re- uh, would likes to. And uh, oh, all my three and my three beautiful daughters, they want to. You know, I need to get them there up front and center. In fact, I've got to go and jump in the car and take one of them to go and get their crutches because they've got a navicular hotspot in their feet from uh, athletics, which is a bit disappointing. So, Can't boys. I'm going to have to love you and leave you, but uh, keep up the great work. Hopefully, I've I've put a smile on someone's face today. Sure have, mate. It's been great having you, mate. Really appreciate Jason jumping on board. See you, guys. Thanks, Jason. Thanks, mate. See ya. Bye. How good was that, cuz? To spend. uh, What a star. Oh, super. That was an awesome 50 minutes, mate. Uh, I know you probably told him. We'll take 15 minutes of your time because you didn't really yeah, queue, queue him up for what we'd <laughs> really do. Yeah. And appreciate that. And to be honest, uh, you know, he's got so much to cover. So we could have had, we could have ran three hours yeah. with Jace. Um, sure. yeah. He is the consummate professional when he's on air. Um, you're exactly right in what you said. And I know you've known Jace for since school days. The first guy that, you know, would come and say hello to you. The last guy that would say goodbye, sorry, the last guy when when you were to leave, he'd be definitely yeah. the the one that would say goodbye to you as well. So, um, look, it's just great, and it's it's awesome to see him really, you know, flourish, um, yeah. and to see him now get opportunities in sport in this new generation of um, commentator. Um, and there's no doubt, I, I see a lot of Bruce in him already. Uh, so oh, it's, it's already and rubbing off. And I think he'll be a big chance when Bruce drops off the footy. Jace to start straight into that little door. Absolutely. So he will never only be known as the 93 store gift champ to us now. He will be <laughs> always known as one of the best guests um, so far, no doubt. Episode yeah. 25 of So What's Been Happening. It was actually episode 24, cuz, because we, no, we no, did a bit of switch through. Um, but we'll go with 25 and 24 for now because he, I think he could have easily been two episodes. So let's run with that. But oh, thanks mate. again, cuz. Um, no, it's all been you, awesome. I know it's uh, was a weird time of the day. You know, obviously we don't get an opportunity um, or a time slot that we can just fill easily um, with someone like Jace. So it was super to have yeah. Jason Richardson on, and look forward to the next chat with the next guest coming up in yeah. a week or so. Yeah, beautiful, mate. Love to touch base. We'll Cheers, catch buddy. Up. Have a good rest of the night. Ta-da. Have a good night. See you, mate. Bye.